right, and welcome back to another episode of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. I am Harrison Fagan. I'm joining you on a Friday morning because we switched our schedule around this week. This is not normally my day. Sabrina, this is also not normally your day, but you are joining me. So we'll just, you know, we'll just call it the Silver Screen and Roll free agency special, even though that was not planned at all. And it was more like my lack of planning led us here. But this is the Silver Screen and Roll free agency special. So you know, welcome to that. And are you excited to be here with the, on this thing that I just came up with? I mean, I love to be on a free agency special for a team that has very little cap space. It's just a <laughs> you know, dream come true, really. <laughs> Look, but it's the most talked about team with mm-hmm. almost no cap space that is still going to like we assume they're going to sign some people. So like they're still going to be a free agency player. But, you know, related to that is we had a bunch of news come down the pipeline today, which is why I'm actually glad that we are recording this today, because you are going to be able to explain it to me a little bit better and by extension, the audience. Uh, So let's just run through this really, really quickly. And also you can find this on Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. That's where the silver, just search silver screen and roll podcast. If this is your first time listening. Um, let's run through it. So JaVale McGee opted in, which is somewhat surprising based on some stuff that we heard over the last 24 hours before, but not really common sense wise. Uh, Avery Bradley opted out, which not that surprising based on kind of the tenor of the way that that was going, but a little surprising logically, at least for me. Um, and then Quinn Cook was cut 10 minutes after Rob Palenka said the Lakers were going to be aggressive (laughs) about getting better. And then was like, oh yeah, like you thought I wasn't serious and then just cut the nicest man in the NBA. So, um, Um, Sabrina, can you give me and by extension, our audience, like a rundown of where this leaves the Lakers heading into free agency and just, I guess your generalized reaction secondarily to all of this stuff today. Well, first of all, I just want to, you know, pour one out for Quinn Cook because, uh, I have not been his biggest fan on the Lakers. Uh, I do believe that it's become a running joke in our Slack that I complain about his entry passes. (laughs) And, and on the podcast, I think a little bit too. Certainly like, on the podcast as well. Uh, I mean, I, I think most people who listen to me know that I am I am a Blue Devil myself. Uh, Quinn and I share that in common. One of the best days of my life actually was watching him win the national championship in 2015. So I'm a fan. I uh, just never quite understood his fit on this team. And I guess the fact that, you know, he is really like the most beloved person in the NBA other than Clay Thompson, Derek Rose apparently is uh, what, you know, endeared him to this locker room. And you can never have too many of those guys. So, uh, yeah. And can I, nice. can yeah. I say on Quinn Cook, like I, you know, I'll, I'll tell my Quinn Cook story. I was, uh, you know, I did not cover him at Duke or like get to enjoy, you didn't cover him at Duke, right? You just not, got no. to watch him win a national championship for your alma mater. Must be nice to have your alma mater win national championships, by the way. Um, in basketball, as, I'm sure yours wins and other things. Yeah, we win the College World Series, but I don't care about baseball. So, like, I get no joy from that. I I just, like, gloat about it because it's the only thing I can gloat about as an alumni, but it gives me nothing. Um, But Quinn Cook is... Like, when people say that... Like, people use the nicest guy in the NBA, most beloved teammate, like... People talk about, like, Quinn Cook is everyone's best friend, and he is such a nice person that he, almost too nice to the degree that Lakers PR actually got upset with him during the preseason this year because he talked to me before, like, they were planning on having an interview scrum for him, I guess. And, like, I did not realize that, so I just went up and started talking to him. He was totally fine. We had, like, a five, like, a very pleasant five-minute conversation, and then Lakers PR comes over, they're like, Quinn, you're not supposed to talk until the cameras come over, and, like, da-da-da-da-da, and like, so that you don't have to do it again. And he's like, oh, no, it's fine. I hear him go answer basically all the same questions over again for another five or 10 minutes and then just leaves. He was excited to be a Laker. And uh, like literally everyone on the team loved him. And yes, Quinn Cook will be missed. That was not where I saw the start of this podcast going, but you are right. Well, I also didn't expect the first move that the Lakers made in free agency or, you know, one of the first moves that they made today to, you know, wave Quinn Cook because the way I see it, they don't get a ton of flexibility from waving him. Um, he was due to make $3 million this year, only one of which was guaranteed. So maybe you're saving $2 million, But the thing is, by not having Quinn Cook on the roster, you have to have another player. And the minimum salary hold for a player is about $1.6 million. So the Lakers are creating, what, $400,000 of space by waiving Quinn Cook? Unless they decide to stretch him, in which case his salary stretches for three years. Then that's $333,000 per year. So then you create, like I guess, a million worth of space. But... It doesn't seem like a yeah. huge reward, you know, to wave the guy. And he was on the roster last year. I mean, like, he wasn't a productive player by any means, but I think you could be confident in playing him in regular season games and not have terrible things happen. So 
it's strange to me that they would make that decision before they've had a chance to, you know, you know, theoretically agree to terms with any other free agents who would want to join the team. So that was a little weird to me that their first move was like, hey, we don't think you can play at all on this team. So we're literally clearing you out just to bring in somebody else for your roster spot was the way I saw it. Yeah. So, you know, you, you brought that up and like, I hadn't realized, cause I just looked at like, obvi- I hadn't thought about the cap hold aspect of it, like of having an empty roster spot, you know, element of it, because otherwise it looks like it's like, okay, like, you know, 1 million guaranteed that goes on the books. You're like, you're saving $2 million. And that's like maybe meaningful in terms right. of getting closer to the full mid-level. But, you know, when you bring it up like that, like, I think there is like, that's a good point. And like, this doesn't this, I don't think this necessarily was about saving them money. Like this is not sourced. I've just been trying to think about it over the course of the day. And I think it might've been like two factors. And you can tell me if you like agree with this or not. And like, I I think one of them was that, you know, they may have made their trade, you know, with Dennis Schroeder and Danny Green's salary going out, like they've kind of made their big move. And like, it would have, even with Quinn Cook's $3 million salary, like, because my first thought was like, wouldn't you rather have him as like a, you can trade him to another team and they can save $2 million and maybe have it be useful salary ballast, but allow them to save some money. And that's the appeal of it. But like, I, I think maybe they had realized like, okay, we're kind of traded out. Like, we just don't really have a lot of realistic guys that we can trade for. You know, we'd rather use the spot on X, Y, or Z free agent. And like, let's just cut bait. I, I think the other thing, And the timing of the way that this news came out, like, made me think about this as you were talking was, like, JaVale McGee opted in almost instantaneously after that happened. And I wonder if that was in any way, like, a wink-wink with JaVale's agent, like, okay, like, Quinn Cook getting cut makes it less likely that we can use your salary to get something meaningful because with JaVale at four million, Quinn at three, that's seven million. That's like you could get something for that, especially if you package coups in there with I think he's making three million this year. And About so like that's half, yeah. yeah, that's like ten million dollars plus. And so I felt like maybe that was like a okay, look, we can't really trade JaVale now, so he can just opt in. And then, like, you know, maybe they feel like Dwight Howard's leaving, and so they just want that extra big man insurance as, like, you know, a useful body. We were talking in Slack today that JaVale, he at least proved he's a useful regular season innings eater, even if Lakers fans, I think, are kind of out on him overall. Um, You know, he has utility for keeping Anthony Davis fresh, especially during a shortened season uh, where he didn't play that much during the playoffs. So I I don't know. Those were kind of the thoughts going through my head as all this was going on was like maybe it's like a little bit more of like this behind the scenes kind of machinations. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go, because like you said, JaVale McGee opted in Almost immediately, right? After. It was like, what, like 10 minutes later? Like, <laughs> and, and it's funny because, you know, our, our old friend Ben Rosales, who I like to think of as like our my Twitter cap guru, was basically like when Quinn Cook was waived was, oh, that means Lakers aren't going to make any trades. And then lo and behold, the guy who doesn't want to get traded is like, okay, I'm coming back to the Lakers. Uh, so that's that's the way I saw it too. I just, again, the it must mean that they really want to use that roster spot on somebody else or maybe Quinn had a conversation with them and was like, hey, I actually want to play minutes. And they were like, no. But uh, <laughs> they were like, that's nice. Um, does, does Quinn really want to play minutes that badly that he would, you know, risk not staying on the Lakers in this environment that they've created and a team that he clearly loves being around so much? Not that I doubt that he would find another team that he loves being around in 29 other spots in the NBA. Yeah. But that that was just strange to me. I, I'm not quite sure I understand it. Maybe they'll end up stretching him and they'll get the full million out of it. And then it'll be a little more reasonable as to why they needed to create that room. But uh, I, I thought it was weird. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that there'll be more moves that come out later that'll explain to me in more clarity as to why they made this decision. But I'm we not just quite gotta figure out, Does he have Giannis's agent? And if so, then like maybe <laughs> that maybe he just wanted out and they're like, well, see, we do we do right by our guys here. And like he's like, <laughs> you know, like an extra like mini KCP for them, but a KCP that they cut, um, you know, in that case. But something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it, it's probably something like behind the scenes a little bit more than it is the savings, because like I agree with you. I, I just don't really see enough benefit just from cutting him. But like as far as the let, let's get into JaVale and Avery Bradley and like those decisions I I think JaVale was like you know it's funny so like we do pre-writes and like I've referenced this on the podcast before what those are and 
I wrote up one of the first pre-writes I did for free agency was JaVale McGee opts into player option because that just seemed like no brainer, easiest decision in the world. Like, you know, there's no way he's getting $4 million a year on the open market anywhere after the last season. He'd be, he'd probably, he'd get a veteran's minimum somewhere most likely, but he wasn't going to get 4 million. So it's like, okay, of course, like, why wouldn't he opt in? But then, you know, we started to hear over the last week, especially over the last 24 hours that, oh, like JaVale maybe isn't coming back. And it was strange to me. And so my theory was just like, maybe he just wants, he doesn't want to get traded somewhere. And like, I I think you and I kind of, and Ben, and, you know, I think a bunch of other people came to the same conclusion on that. And so as soon as Quinn, like, you know, was cut, then they brought JaVale back and, I thought, like, you know, I made the innings eater point already, but, like, I don't think that this is as bad as maybe people are making it out to be. Because I know Lakers fans want JaVale gone, but, like, I actually do think that he has some value. Like, am I crazy in terms of thinking that? No, I'm actually very much with you on this. Uh, I mean, as of this moment, the Lakers have six players under contract, and it's it's basically seven because everybody, you know, knows that Anthony Davis is just going to sign on the dotted line for whatever length. Well, I don't know. He was saying with Chris Haynes, he doesn't have a team right now, Sabrina. Right. They're really keeping us in the dark on this one. Yeah, that's delightful. Um, so, again, the Lakers have six players under contract right now. And, yeah, you know, maybe there is a center out there who could produce at a higher level than JaVale McGee, but the, there's, like, a, a lot of roster spots to fill on the Lakers yeah. right now. And we know that this is a guy who plays well next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, And then whatever backcourt happens to be filling in for the Lakers at the moment. But I I think the fact that he didn't play in the finals and, you know, was less than stellar, you know, against Denver in that conference final series kind of obscures the fact that, like, he wasn't just a guy that we put out there in the regular season. He was good. Like, this was the best defensive season I've seen from JaVale McGee in a very long time. He finishes, like, everything around the rim. He's got – I mention this all the time because I love the reference. He's got these, like, go-go gadget arms that just finish from whatever angle – you know, that he happens to be in the paint. Uh, they try to find him on those lob plays, like every, the first play of like every game. It's like, exactly. just, you know, teams forget to put it on the scouting report and he gets an easy bucket right yeah. off the bat. Like he's a legitimately good part of that Lakers offense. And I think that there is some benefit to having at least like a little bit of continuity. Like I was of the belief that the Lakers were just going to bring back pretty much everybody from this championship team. And it's become more and more clear that like guys want to get paid. <laughs> they want to cash in. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, a less similar team than I originally anticipated, but maybe JaVale's not the, the first guy I would have picked, you know, to come back, but he he was a really capable player during the regular season. Like there are 72 games that the Lakers have to fill. They, you know, they're, they play in a tough division. Not that that matters as much during this particular schedule, but um, like that stuff matters. You know, if they plan on resting their guys throughout the regular season, you need other people to be able to give you competent production. And I like JaVale, you know, I mean, yeah, he's not going to, you know, be the guy that you rely on in the Western Conference Finals, but nobody you get for the minimum really is going to be that guy. And and so. also part of, like, the reason that he's not going to be the guy that you rely on in the Western Conference Finals is not that he's, like, a horrible player. Like, obviously, he is a guy that can be exploited in certain matchups, and, like, he is not as good as Anthony Davis, but that doesn't <laughs> mean that he, like, is complete trash and, like, useless. You know, like, and also the, the other point, you know, you brought up the 72 games, the Lakers, not it's not just 72 games. It's like 72 games were like, how much do you really want to play Anthony Davis center this year? And they already did that. I think I think it was like the fewest minutes he's played at center in like five years or something like that. On uh, Like I remember looking this up at one point. But it's the least center he's played in quite some time during the regular season. And so you need a guy that makes that possible. And JaVale has already shown that he makes that possible. And so, yes, like they're going to have to either bring back Dwight or sign another big man, like, because they're going to need another center there to make that possible. But JaVale can give you 20 minutes of not Anthony Davis playing center. And like, that is something of value where like, and you know, like he's not a G league player. Like he is like, he's okay. And he can play, especially during, you know, as you said, like regular season minutes to help the Lakers had the best defense in the league last year during the regular season pre-bubble, I believe. I think, like, it tailed off a little bit in the it bubble. Was or the like, top two or top three. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was, was up there. Up there and yeah. that wasn't, like, that wasn't not, that wasn't because of JaVale, but it wasn't not because of JaVale either. Like, his arms, the go-go gadget arms that you love, uh, and, like, Anthony Davis's go-go gadget arms himself, like, really allowed the Lakers to form a wall at the rim. And I remember there was that one game against Detroit where they had, like, 30 blocks or, like, some <laughs> yeah. NBA record or ridiculousness where it was just, like, they just threw a block party in the paint. And 
they just they made it difficult to shoot over them. He ha- he looks like the inflatable tube man out there sometimes, but <laughs> like it's tough to shoot over the inflatable tube man. And like I, I don't think uh, my point is basically like I know that people want a newer, sexier name. They want a new toy. Like I don't think that this is the worst thing for the Lakers. And look, like I've went we've went on this like five minute rant now, so he's going to be traded by the end of this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I'm I'm happy to have Javale back, you know, and. I think it's probably time to go on to the next guy who may or may not be back to the Lakers, and that's Avery Bradley. Who decided- yeah, I was going to say, speaking of guys who want to get paid, like you mentioned. <laughs> um, he decided not to opt into the second year of his contract, which, I mean, to me is a giant surprise because like you, the minute the bubble ended, I was like, okay, well, this guy's coming back because how in the world is he going to make more money than the $5 million that he's guaranteed on this particular deal? And as it turns out, he probably doesn't expect to make that much in year one of his next deal, but he's hoping for a longer term deal or at the very least, like some security about where he chooses to play. Uh, this one I'm a little more mixed about because on the one hand, the bubble clearly showed that the Lakers are fine without Avery Bradley. They're they're pretty good actually without Avery Bradley. They managed to win a championship. I'd say they did okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is not the same team that the Lakers are bringing back now. Like there's no Danny Green who... I thought was the best perimeter defender on the Laker roster, unless you count LeBron and Anthony Davis in there, but that's a different story. Uh, I thought he was the best defender among the guards on the Lakers roster. And now that he's gone, you know, it would be nice to have a little bit more of that defensive integrity because I don't think that's Dennis Schroeder's greatest skill. And so I was, you know, leaning towards the fact that maybe it'd be nice to have Avery Bradley back because again, he's a guy who knows the system. He played very well in said system, you know, that starting lineup with Bradley and green and, Braun, AD, and JaVale McGee was bonkers. Like, just a really, really excellent five-man unit. So I think he probably would have been very successful had he chosen to opt in, but I don't think that this decision necessarily means that he's not going to come back to the Lakers. But at this point, I don't see the Lakers reaching out with anything more than like, hey, here's a minimum, take it for two years. Yeah, so that that was that was like something that I'm unclear on because I'm not like the best with cap stuff and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, so if he opted out, that's different than like them cutting him or something where like they have to offer him more to be able to bring him back, right? Like they could offer him less than the five million that he was due, and he could still come back. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I mean. I still don't necessarily see him coming back. Like, I feel like the writing is on the wall. So Kyle Goon of the OC Register verbalized something on Twitter that, uh, or I guess like typed out something on Twitter that, you know, was uh, put into words something that I'd been thinking about, about a vibe around the Lakers all bubble, like, the Lakers were asked a number of times throughout the bubble about like, oh, have you talked to Avery Bradley recently? Or like, it would just come up in conversation in these Zoom mm-hmm. things or whatever, you know, whatever. And almost all of it, like, no one ever really said that they did. And there was this weird, it wasn't like, like, you didn't get the sense that they like hated the guy or they weren't like, why would I talk to him? Like, it was never anything like that. It was just like, no, you know, maybe I should reach out at some point. Like, it was just a little bit of like passive aggressive tension. And I just wonder if opting out of the bubble created a little bit more of a rift than maybe the team has let on in the locker room. Like Frank Vogel, Rob Palenka both spoke very highly of Bradley after the title. But I just wonder if like, you know, like if you opt out on LeBron, LeBron is a big loyalty guy. And like, I know Mm -hmm. obviously LeBron is also like, he understands family. He understands all that stuff. But like, if you just skip you know, like out on this team's title run. And look, Bradley had a right to do what he did. I'm not judging him for this at all. I just can see how maybe it would rub teammates the wrong way when they're like, well, we're going to go do this. Like, you're not willing to go and sacrifice, like we're sacrificing too. And you're not willing to do this. Like, okay, you aren't as in as us. And like how there would be some new dynamics formed. Like, you know, we've all like had friend groups change and things like that over the years because someone's not around as much and things right, like that. They like go so, on vacation for the summer and you guys hang out without them. And then it's just, oh, you know. Yeah. It's just like, okay, happen. well, they're not part of the group anymore. You know, yeah. like, it, like this happens a lot in adulthood. And so like, I, I don't, again, like, I don't think that it's something where like they all hate him, but I just want if maybe between that and like also you know they traded for Dennis Schroeder which is when we started to hear a lot of this stuff about him maybe opting out and we know that they want to bring back KCP who replaced Bradley in the bubble and actually ended up I think being a better starter after a rocky start um and so like the role to starting is not super clear to him he might get traded and maybe the chemistry is not that great like maybe it's just not an environment that he wants to be a part of and uh, you know especially when you factor in 
look, like, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic and, like, he has a young son who had respiratory issues. Like, he may not want to uproot him and move their entire family. He probably, he you know, as we saw with the bubble, he doesn't want to be without his entire family. Like, he may just want to look for a situation where he has a little bit more control and he's probably not going to be traded. Yeah, to me, the most compelling argument here is that he just doesn't know what his role on the Lakers is going to be. Because, yeah. like you said, he... When he opted out of the bubble, he exited as the starting point guard. And I think a pretty cemented starting point guard. Like there was very clear evidence that the KCP lineup just hadn't been working as well as the lineup with Avery Bradley. Yeah. And then, like you said, they, that kind of switched or, you know, I also think the KCP wasn't playing in that same configuration as often because JaVale wasn't playing as often. But, you know, there was a very clear argument that, hey, there's somebody who might be better for, better suited for this spot than you. And then of course you bring in another guy who, screams point guard in a way that Avery Bradley does not. So And, and two guys who are going to be, if KCP's back, two guys that are going to be making significantly more money. So it's mm-hmm. not even like we, like, because then all of a sudden you're bringing one of your big off-season additions off the bench, which is sometimes untenable too. Very good point. Yeah. So to me, it's it's more of that, that he just doesn't know where he fits on the Lakers. And that just sometimes is not a fun situation, right? Like he did, a, I think, a really good job of rehabbing his value last season where it had been at something of an adir over the last couple of years. You know, his stint with the Clippers was just objectively terrible. He was not great in Detroit, you know, and he doesn't want to put himself in a situation where he can't produce the way he thinks he can, you know? Uh, yeah. So that's sort of where I land on Avery. Um, I think he's making a mistake personally. Um, I do think that there is, there are going to be enough guard minutes on the Lakers to go around. Uh, there were enough last year for just that whole group with Bradley green, KCP Caruso Rondo, and then, like, even some Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, like, stuff thrown in at the beginning of the year, too. So I I do believe that he would have had an opportunity to contribute. And, I, and, and in a situation where we've seen he can succeed. Like, obviously, exactly. he wouldn't be starting, but, like, mm-hmm. he could have utility, almost arguably, in some ways, more utility at times. It's like that energy guy off the bench, potentially. Yeah, very much so. So I, I don't get it. <laughs> this is another one. Yeah, right? I don't. This is one I don't understand either. Like, I I just, for all the reasons you mentioned, and just like, I just, even still, like, who's giving him, like, is he even going to make five million on a multi-year deal next year? Like, I, you know, maybe, maybe his agent, no, he just switched agents, maybe, you know, and we know sometimes when these guys change agents, it's because, Because they don't like what they're hearing on the market. Well, they don't like what they're hearing from the one agent, and then the new agent is usually coming in and whispering sweet nothings (laughs) about the big deal that they can get them, and oh, I got all these teams that should be interested in Avery Bradley, like, um, and so... I think maybe there's some of that and like some of like, yeah, I don't like what I'm hearing from you. What can this, uh, this guy's saying that he could get me 10 mil a year, you know, however much, like, I don't know that that's the case. Like I, you know, I don't want to accuse anyone of lying to Avery Bradley and maybe there is like a big deal out there for him. Maybe somebody really liked what he brought to the Lakers as a starter, but like that just, you know, they literally, they won the title without him. (laughs) Even when he was playing during the regular season, like, he was playing a bunch of minutes with the starters, which like, you know, I'm not he I'm not saying he didn't contribute to their like great net rating and whatever, but that clearly the biggest part of that was not him. <laughs> and you know, I just think that like he is a massively overrated defender in terms of like he's a guy that like how many times last year did we see he'd pick up three fouls in three minutes and like be out of the and be out for the rest of the half, you know, because it's he so can't funny he, to me that he and Patrick Beverly don't get along because they remind me so much of each other. I made that comparison today. Like he's he's basically just like softer spoken Pat Beverly. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and look, like I don't think that he's a valueless player. I just don't see how after opting out of the bubble, not playing in months, and then jumping into this free agency market without that much money to go around where he's even going to recoup this value. And maybe picking his next destination was more important. Maybe finding a role was more important for him. I don't know. But it's this was like a strange decision to me. Like that was, you know, I mean, obviously it's been percolating over the last week, but Mm -hmm. uh, still just kind of a head-scratching one. I'm with you. Um, Last question before we throw to a break, just because you brought up the Clippers a couple times there. You cover the Clippers. I can't help myself. (laughs) No, no, no. I I have to, this is something I wanted to ask anyway. So it's a, it was a seamless segue um, before I made it more awkward. But um, uh, is there any chance, just tell me that there's a chance that the Clippers sign him because I would love to watch Like, was it just that Doc hated him on the team? Like, would the organization maybe bring him back? Because I would love just, uh, you know, like, 
the Schadenfreude, is that how you say that? Of Clippers bloggers having to deal with Avery Bradley again with how much they hated him and were making fun of the Lakers signing him and just roasting Mm -hmm. him as a bad player constantly. Like, there is no outcome that is funnier in this than him signing with the Clippers and them having to walk all of it back or be like, ah, you know, like he's different. He show he, you know, he's clearly healthy now. Like, da da da. Um, so you know how when they fired Doc Rivers, they said one of the problems was that he was stubborn in terms of his roster management and he played the guys that the uh the front office guys didn't want him to play yeah um Avery Bradley is one of those guys oh all right well and the reason that they got rid of him at the 2019 trade deadline was because he kept playing in front of Patrick Beverly and taking away minutes from Shea Gildas Alexander so uh (laughs) yeah this is very much he was on the Clippers because Doc adores him you know dating back to their uh, Boston days. So no, he's he's not going back. Well, there. this is so disappointing. Can we cut the logical answer you just gave? And can you just <laughs> say like absolutely 100% certainty and just destroy your credibility, but give me a laugh in the process? Um, no. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. And then there was a little bit more news today that uh, I do want to hit on, you know, before, like as we approach like kind of what's going to be a whirlwind free agency period over the weekend. All right, so you and I were both on this Zoom today with Rob Palenka where, you know, he basically said, like, that's a nice Quinn Cook. It'd be a real shame if something was uh, were to happen to him and then something happened to him. Uh, he did not say that, but, he you know, he promised, like, that they were going to be aggressive. And just the the phraseology of him saying that they were going to be aggressive and then immediately cutting a player right after the call was like, it felt mafia boss to me a little bit, (laughs) just like, like, like I feel like he was threatening us now. Like these are some nice beat writers you got here. Like, you know, be a real shame if like your zoom invite stopped coming or something like that. Like I, I cut my former, you know, like I cut the nicest guy in the NBA. You don't want to know what I'll do to you. Um, But the other thing that he said on that call was that they have not had talks about an extension with Kyle Kuzma yet. Um, This is one that is interesting because, like, you know, I've heard that Kuz wants a lot. Uh, I don't want to get into it because I don't know, like, you know, how accurate this is or whatever. But, like, it it sounds like he wants a lot. And to the point where I can't – I cannot – fathom the idea of the Lakers extending him. Um, The fact that they haven't even, that Palenka is claiming they haven't even talked yet. Like it makes sense intuitively that you wouldn't want to tie up that cap space before free agency anyway. So why even talk about it? Like, you know, I get why, but this is going to be something that is interesting with these extension deadlines coming up. Like, you know, how do you feel about the whole situation? Like, do you think that like in your mind, is there any realistic chance that they're able to meet in the middle and extend coups? And like, do you, would you want to, does it make sense to in your mind? Like, you know, cause, cause I just don't think it does. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was providing more of a countering perspective here other than obviously the Avery Bradley situation, but uh, I <laughs> once again agree. I do not think it makes any sense to extend Kyle Kuzma because he sort of fancies himself in that top tier of 2007 of the 2007 draft class. I, I'm sure he like doesn't. 2017. Sorry, 2017. He's, a, he, he's an old prospect. He's not that old. <laughs> yeah, um, he's coming up for his rookie extension 13 years in. That would I'm be really sure funny. He doesn't think of himself like Jason Tatum, but like he thinks of himself. In, Are like, we that. sure about that? I, I imagine that Kuzma thinks of himself in like that De'Aaron Fox level of this draft class. And Fox is getting a max extension. Um, I mean, I, I always come back to the fact that before the bubble started, there were like these five, um, extension eligible prospects from that class bam mitchell tatum fox and kuzma who had a call with michelle roberts about insurance for their upcoming contracts and it's so funny to me because that's four maxes and kuzma and yeah it was that that was i was gonna bring that it's funny that you brought that because this is what i was gonna bring up exactly so (laughs) i'm not i'm not trying to tell the guy like don't protect your future obviously you should always be you know making sure that your financial security is taken care of. But it was just a really interesting list to see come across, you know, the news because, again, one of these things is not like the other. And I'm not sure Kyle Kuzma is aware that he is the one. So Yeah, it's like spot the differences between these two <laughs> pictures. And like... It's David and Kuzma and Kuzma is like, I, they look like yeah, the same. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're the same picture. <laughs> but I think it makes perfect sense that the Lakers would not approach extension talks with Kuz because, I mean – Best case scenario, you get him to actually worst case scenario is like you just completely offend him because you throw out a number that you think is reasonable. And Kuz is like, 
excuse me, I am. Yeah, you throw out the John Hollinger estimation of like, what was it, like $6 million? $15 million Yeah, like, Kuz doesn't show up for the season, like, because he's so angry, demands a trade. And then I'm not even sure there is a best case scenario because I literally cannot think of a number that makes sense for both sides, just in terms of how Kuz sees himself versus what makes sense for the Lakers moving forward. Like, I'm not one of those people that thinks that the Lakers are like trying to lure a max free agent next summer because beyond Giannis, I just don't think that there's anybody of that caliber that's legitimately going to come to the Lakers. You know, like, are you going to try to get Kawhi Leonard again? You know, like, what what are we really doing here? (laughs) That would be hilarious. (laughs) After all that time, right? Yeah, that, like two years, like Kawhi actually joins the Lakers and like, you know, a lot of people would have to delete a lot of tweets, including myself, I think. Oh my Rangula, just loads and loads. He, no, he'd just have to delete his account, I think, like <laughs> at that point. Like he'd just, uh, just start anew. Like. Um, but yeah, I do think that there is meaningful, you know, better uses of cap space than throwing, I don't know, like teens annual salary at Kyle Kuzma. Like that's sort of what I'm thinking that he's going for, but I just can't imagine that that conversation is going to be productive for either yeah, side. I, f- I feel comfortable saying he, he wants eight figures. Yeah. I think eight yeah. figures is right. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think that he has shown that he is worth that kind of annual salary yet. I mean, I, I feel like I said a lot of nice things about him after the playoffs. And then I looked back at his numbers and I was like, God, I really must have a soft spot for Cruz because none of this looks very good. Yeah, I think, you know, look, he obviously, the numbers aren't going to fully reflect, I think, like the amount of improvements that he made as a player. And just in terms of looking like a guy who could fit the role that they need him to play. But also, like, when you read between the lines of stuff that he said over the last, especially over the last year, you know, like, it doesn't sound like he envisions himself as a role player forever. Like, even when he talks about Jared Dudley giving him advice of like, oh, like, you know, this is how you get paid. You fit into that auto porter role. Like it's something that you brought up that I'd forgotten about. But like, you know, even when he says stuff like that, it's always with like a little hint of like, yeah, but like, I think I'm a little bit better than that. Like I, I can do this for now, exactly. but I'm not going to do it forever. For and, now. Yeah, exactly. Anthony Davis is 27. You know, like he's not like, this is not like where, like it was with LeBron where like maybe, you know, Kuz could talk himself into, okay, well, LeBron's going to leave, but then the reins of the franchise are mine. Um, like Anthony Davis is still going to be here. And I think at this point, like, you know, if Kuz is going to reach star, the star potential that he and, you know, some members of Lakers Twitter, uh, you know, like the, the Kuz standum section, which has gotten smaller, but still exists. I was going to say Jeannie Buss have, you know, envisioned. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like it, the star potential, like, you know, maybe he reaches that. I feel comfortable at this point saying that if Anthony Davis resigns, it's not going to be with the Lakers where he reaches that potential just because, like, it's not that he can't play with Anthony Davis. It's just that I don't think that he can play the way that it's going to get him some giant contract and huge role with Anthony Davis. Uh, And so like, I just don't know that I see the path forward and I'm with you. Like, I think like you don't want to insult him because you want him to stay motivated. And I think the simplest thing here and uh, like Palinka can't say this, but I think the simplest thing is you keep the carrot in front of him. You're like, you know, look, like we, we want to keep cap space open for stars in 2021. Even if you think that it's like one in a million chance that you're going to get Giannis, like you tell him that and you say that publicly because then it's like, okay, well, like, you know, you'll, you can play your way into a restricted free agency payday and like, don't necessarily come back to him and be like, Hey, we want to offer you, you know, maybe you don't go down to the Hollinger estimation and you're like, we want to offer you 8 million or something like that and have him get upset or get his feelings hurt. So like, I'm with you. I just don't think that it makes a lot of sense. I just did think that it was interesting that, you know, he just openly admitted like, yeah, we haven't even talked about it yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad that he was that frank about it because, uh, it, it just, it confirms everything that, you know, we thought that was happening in this situation, right? Like he's, he's not an idiot. He knows that he can't go to Kuzma with the numbers that the analytics department probably says that he should. Uh, and yeah, he's like, I mean, he, look, he did the pre-draft interviews with Kuzma. He knows that like, he's like, he's like, all right, so what do you think your NBA comps are? And he's like, Kobe, Michael Jordan, LeBron, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'll be reasonable. Kevin Durant as, uh, as the fourth one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope there's a path forward. On the Lakers for who's just, I mean, the fact that he showed the ability to play more like a wing than a, you know, a power forward definitely makes him a little bit more useful around Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But like, there's, 
there's just not enough of the ball for him to be the kind of player he wants to be. Yeah, and like he's not going to improve enough defense. Like right now, it's great because he's making three million and he's outproducing that. But like the yeah. next contract, all of a sudden, like he has to be like a real, real contributor, not just like a sometimes it's nice when you give us something contributor like at Mm -hmm. that amount of money so I think that's where it kind of gets complicated and like I understand that like you know I've had people in my mentions like oh well Frank would just play him more and like you know it's just that Frank doesn't know how to use him and Frank doesn't give him enough minutes and he brings him off the bench when he starts he's great like I do not think that any of that is what's stopping him from stardom on this team and like frankly stopping him from stardom at all uh but you know yeah there's so like I I guess like that's probably enough for a player that's not actually a free agent on our free agency special. Like, is there anyone, like, as we're approaching this, it looks like the the last thing I want to touch on is the Lakers can. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about this. The Lakers now are clearly, with the Bradley opt-out, in a position where they can get to the full mid-level uh, of, and I believe that's what, $9.3 million? Correct? Yeah, just about nine point three. Yeah. Yeah, so the $9.3 million mid-level, which is like, that's the sexy weapon to like make uh like a good addition that's where you get your your Gallinari's your Tristan Thompson's your Serge Ibaka's like that's the contract where everybody's like okay this is the asset that the Lakers have to throw at one of these guys that's a little bit better than you'd think they'd be able to get given their cap situation but because of the depressed market and the lack of teams of space might be willing to jump on and join a contender for that rate um like I thought that you brought up before we were talking an interesting point regarding that and why it may not actually be the smartest use of their cap space or their mechanisms to try and actually free up the necessary space to get that full mid-level. Yeah, so at this point, I am I'm not worried, but I am looking at the Lakers' backcourt depth, which is thinning out, you know, Uh like Alex Caruso's hairline right now. Like Alex Caruso's hairline. I had that in my head and I was like, my brother says I make too many bald jokes as it is, so I'm going to let it go. But here we are. Look, as a bald American, I'm allowed to make this joke. So uh, like, you know, that I am like, as someone who has probably a worse hairline than Caruso, I'm allowed to make the joke. You are not. Okay. Here we go. Um, (laughs) So we have, we have Dennis Schroeder. We have Alex Caruso. And... I'm assuming KCP is coming back, but even then that's not a foregone conclusion in the same way that like Anthony Davis is coming back. Yeah. So that that's three guards. Um, that is, that is not enough <laughs> to form a regular season rotation. The team disrespect right now is uh, unbelievable. Okay. I, was, I was literally just about to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor and Tucker obviously exists. Um, I assume the Lakers are going to be playing him more minutes. Uh, maybe that's why they got rid of Quinn cook, but to be, you know, be the 13th active man on the roster. But, even so, four guards, one of whom has literally no regular season experience, minus one seeding game against Houston, if I recall correctly. How dare you? He played five regular season minutes, I will have you know, uh, during last I season. remember him making one really nice kickout pass to a corner three that did not go in. He played, but yeah, he played, he literally played more minutes in his, in his playoff debut yeah. than he did in the entire regular season before the bubble, which was kind yeah. of incredible. Yeah. Um, so again, that's that's three guards, uh, and I, I do think that the Lakers need something to you know go beyond that because uh, I'm not sure about Schroeder's injury history. Actually, uh, I haven't taken a good look into it, but uh, I'm just like I think of him as German Rondo. I'm like, oh, so he's due for like you know a couple <laughs> weeks. He'll have later. a random <laughs> hand injury when he punches the floor or something like that. Like, <laughs> I just think that there is um, you know holes that need to be addressed here, and. Maybe it's not the best idea to throw all of the Lakers cap flexibility at one guy when they could spread it among a couple guys. And I also think that it's interesting that all of our like preferred targets tend to be front court guys when I really do believe that a greater point of interest should be the backcourt. Like the fact that Dennis Schroeder is now on this team does not address all of the backcourt issues because I don't think Rondo's coming back. You know, obviously he came at the cost of Danny Green. Um and then, yeah. you know, you have these Avery Bradley minutes that have to be accounted for somehow. So uh, what's interesting is, like, I unless you're getting, like, Goran Dragic for that mid-level exception, which I don't think is happening, and I also think it's a very strange decision to make when you've just given up a first-round pick for Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what the Lakers can really do to add to that backcourt depth, but I wouldn't be completely opposed to them, you know, spreading that money around unless, unless it's Ibaka, and then I'm okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, like, I, I was going to ask, like, is it, like I guess you kind of answered it, but, like, aside from Drogic, like, is there anyone, like, there's not really that many, like, this is not a guard-heavy market. Like, that's part mm-hmm. of the reason why people think KCP is going to get paid, is mm-hmm. because it's so front-court-heavy for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the, the backup point guard market is just, is bleak. It is supremely bleak. I mean, I know that uh, Wes Matthews had been in the discussion uh, regard, like, potentially joining the Lakers. But I'm not sure what the Milwaukee situation is currently because Lord knows who's on that team or who is allowed to be on that team. And maybe he's Yeah, the Bogdanovich thing may all of a sudden force them to go back to the table and be like, hey, Wes, uh, we could pay you a little bit more to come back. Uh, hang out here a little bit. Uh, yeah. yeah, so maybe that's not as much of an option as I originally thought. Uh, I thought maybe like Rubio could be flipped because OKC clearly didn't want him. But, you know, now he's in Minnesota. So that's like not an option. Um I'm still like holding out hope that New Orleans will have to buy out one of their 17 point guards because there's just too many to, you know, it's time do to bring Lonzo home, fulfill the prophecy. <laughs> I mean, even George Hill, like I, I don't think yeah. LeBron likes George Hill that much because he missed the free throw at the end of game one of the 20. He brought J.R. Smith back. Okay. Like <laughs> he won a title with J.R. Smith. Okay. I think that that's fair, I guess. And J.R. Smith is also a fellow clutch guy. George, George but... Hill never gets any flack for missing the free throw. Like we never would have gone through any of this nonsense about what the clock situation was. If he just an 80% free throw, he just made both his free throws. It's like not that difficult. But uh, I'm still I'm still keeping an eye on the Pelicans to see if like you know Bledsoe or Hill or I don't really like the rookie guards or like Lonzo becomes available. Wait, but, is Bledsoe still a clutch guy? Because there we go. Now we're cooking with gas. I like, do believe Bledsoe is still a clutch guy. Yeah, maybe maybe he takes a, maybe he pulls a Markeith and takes a buyout and goes uh, <laughs> and signs for the mid level. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of am with you in that. I don't think that there is a great guard market, but I I'm just increasingly skeptical of what the Lakers actually plan to do with that position. And it was like getting to the point where I was like, oh yeah, Quinn Cook could play some minutes here, but no, he's just gone. Yeah. You, you talked about, uh, you know, like Lawrence Frank and like, they basically traded Avery Bradley to keep Doc from using him. Like, are we maybe in a situation where Palinka is doing the same thing to Frank Vogel just to <laughs> stop, like just to force him to play THT and Alex Caruso, like just be like, look like Frank, these guys are, I mean, definitely more so in the case of Alex Caruso, but like they probably at least want to see what they have during the regular season with THT. I think that's probably part of it, but yeah, I'm with you. Like this is look concerning all honestly almost feels like too strong of a word because they just want a title. This team's really good. Like they're probably going to be fine no matter what, or at least like competitive, like this is not going to make or break most likely the Lakers contention chances, but during the regular season, like they at least probably need another body there. You're right. Like, and yeah, like, I think the other, like, element of this is, like, if you want the full mid-level, you're basically saying, like, you know, and you can correct me on this, like, but it sounds like you're basically saying, like, okay, Dwight, we don't need back, Markeith, we don't need back, like, these guys that were helpful players at points during the postseason, you're just basically saying goodbye. Yeah, I think the only way they would be able to bring back Dwight and Markeith would be just on, like, minimum plus contracts, so, like, their current deal plus, like, a 20% raise just because yes. they had him on the one-year deal. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's not it's not a sizable amount of money. Um, and I I haven't quite been able to decipher Dwight Howard's recent public comments about what sort of contract he's looking for, but it, it kind of seems to me that a minimum plus is not going to get the job done with Dwight Howard. Maybe it would for Markeith, especially. I keep coming back to this. If, like, Marcus stays in L.A., then it's just a good place to be for both of them. <laughs> but... I mean, I, I don't think it's like an insignificant, you know, detail in this whole thing. Like they're very close. <laughs> no, yeah, and like also it allows them like with the third with the triplet to switch places more easily. Like with uh, while uh, attracting less eyes. So like very I think so. you know when one of them gets hurt, they can swap Mark uh, Mark Morris in. And, Mark Morris, you know. right? Uh, so yeah, I mean, it just you get to the point where if you're given this nine point three million to Serge Ibaka, who is what your your fourth big during the regular season, if Javale McGee is still starting. Uh, like then you're just filling out the rest of the roster on minimums. And like, sometimes you hit with those like Dwight Howard or, you know, Marquise Morris, but more often than not, you end up with the Troy Daniels or Jared Dudley, who's great, but doesn't do anything during the regular season, despite the fact that I think he could, but I'm not sure I trust Frank Vogel more than my own eye test here. Yeah. I think I, I, I look, Jared Dudley was ready to play like once a week last year. That was a, uh, that was the Jared Dudley schedule. Like, you know, that dude looks as t- looked as tired after every single game where he actually played minutes as I have ever seen an NBA player look like, yeah. 
Frank had to let him know ahead of time, like, okay, we might have to use you today. So get, get that extra calisthenics in ahead of time. Yeah, get the get the Versa climber, you know, like oh. earlier in the day. Just like get, get your legs warmed up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, God, I, I can't believe I'm at this point where I'm advocating for the Lakers to bring back Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley. Just the journey that I've come through. <laughs> Yeah, we've really come full circle from I don't know that I would recognize myself if I were talking from July 2019, but I just want one more guard that the Lakers can trust. I don't know, like, is Austin Rivers clearly wants money, so a minimum is not going to bring him to the Lakers uh, unless it, like, peeves his dad or something. I don't know. Yeah, that feels less likely with his dad not with the Clippers. Like, I think maybe, like, you know, he would agree to do it if his dad was with the Clippers. Like, (laughs) well, we need to beat that guy. Um, But... (laughs) Yeah, that feels probably unlikely. Like, yeah, I I, I can't believe we are at the point that we are at where we're like, yeah, Ra- you know, Rajon Rondo coming back would be really great. But it just seems like he's going to get too much money. Bradley mm-hmm. feels more realistic. But again, for all the reasons that we mentioned, like, I'm just not sure that I see that, especially like, you know, how many times in NBA history have we seen a guy opt out or like, you know, refuse extension talks and then like end up having to take less money on the open market, you know, but you don't want to go back to the guys that you feel like just stiffed you. And like, you know, Avery Bradley, like, I don't know that he would take less than the 5 million from the Lakers. He might take Mm -hmm. it from another team as like, I'm going to prove them wrong for doubting me deal. But I don't think that like you can go and be like, I'm going to get revenge on you for doubting me by playing for you for less and outproducing that contract. What's great is that the Lakers didn't stiff him. He chose not to take the 5 million. It's not like it was a team option. Yeah, I guess that's true. Mind, right? So, I mean, obviously, it'd be very weird for him to be like, okay, you know, two years, six million, I'll take it. It's like a slight amount of more guaranteed money than what I was making last year. But that's that's the problem I see there. It's just... Yeah, the only thing that makes me feel like that's possible is like Rob is his former agent. They're clearly mm-hmm. very close. I just wonder if maybe there's some, you know, wink, wink stuff going on here about like, we'll take care of you. Yeah, and I, I also do think that there's a very good chance that he surveys the market. And despite the, you know, sweet nothings that his new agent is telling him, there is not a robust market for his service. Fires this agent, goes back to the original <laughs> one and gets him the commission. He I think that's like... himself and has Rob, you know... <laughs> gives Rob the 10% commission <laughs> through a shell company. Like... <laughs> See, that sounds like the tampering that the NBA really should be investigating. That sounds like the kind of tampering that I was led to believe that Rob Palinka could pull off when the Lakers <laughs> brought him in. And they're like, all right, we got like a sleazy agent now who can like skirt the rules. Like, this is the stuff that I was looking for. Like, I wanted offshore bank accounts. Like, you know, um, like, like you know, I want signing the guy's brother to bring, like, to bring them on. Like, all this, some of the stuff he's done so far. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I guess like any any final thoughts ahead of free agency? We've actually went longer on this than I really expected to. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, at this point, there's still a lot that we don't know. It will start at what what was it? I think it's three o'clock on Friday. That's correct, three o'clock Pacific time. If you happen to be listening to this on the East Coast, uh, make your changes accordingly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> It's it's funny to like I spent all this time saying that I don't want the Lakers to like put all their mo- eggs in one basket, but at the same time, like there are so few free agents who I actually like in this class that maybe that is like just the best option where you find five guys you really trust for the playoffs and just ride them, you know? Yeah, and like I, you know, look, I think that we've become spoiled by minimum contract signings hitting, mm-hmm. as you brought up, and so like you know, there's going to be a couple guys that they sign, and you're like, what the hell? And it's like, yeah. you know, I'm used to having better players than this for the minimum, and it's like that just may not be available this summer, and they will have to make that work, and they might be a worse regular season team, but if they're able to use that mid level, maybe they're a better playoff team, and they have some like more weapons here with you know with Schroeder and giving them a little bit of extra offensive punch. Like who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm just looking forward to the flurry of deals done within like multi-year contracts done within one minute of teams being allowed to start negotiations. And also like, you know, maybe they'll get really brazen like they were last year where like we had Woj reporting decisions, like, you know, like an hour before the deadline even started. It's like, Oh, like, you know, sources say that like, it's very, very close to Kemba Walker agreeing with the Celtics. It's like how they don't, they aren't allowed to talk, you know, isn't that tampering? Um, but yeah, I'm, I, that's always my favorite part of free agency is like the reports of the exact structure of a deal within one minute of teams being allowed to negotiate. Well, you know, in the case of the Lakers, that is literally what happened. So sometimes 
people are just honest and they call you up at 1201 and say, Hey, Timo, we got $15 million for <laughs> That's you. That's true. We know Mitch Kupchak would never tamper. He probably literally just like called it at midnight and they're like, what? Uh, yeah, I guess take it. That sounds like a lot of money. Razgav <laughs> was asleep because he thought his phone wasn't going to ring until the morning. <laughs> until the next day. It's like expecting a call from David Griffin, the then Cavs GM the next day, uh, you know, as courtesy, but yeah, I got the call from Mitch and Jim at midnight to save their jobs and did not deliver on that at all. Um, I don't know. Is there any weird free agency minutiae that you look forward to every year? Not really. Um, I like trades better than free agency, which is strange because I feel like free agents are, it's a more common thing that happens, but uh, I don't know. Trades are more exciting because like, you know, you get to like argue about who won it and who lost it and whatever. Like we're like free agency. It's just like, okay, you just added this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This free agency period is just not that exciting to me because like I said, you know, there's, there's like three guys that I like and uh, the odds of the Lakers getting all of them or, you know, even one of them is fairly slim. Um, but uh, this front office, I have yet to get a feel on, you know, especially since it's just been the Rob Polinka solo show. So I am expecting to be surprised in at least one thing they do and hopefully it's for the best. Yeah, no, I mean, when they pull off a trade for James Harden after we just talked about how boring this is all going to be, like, uh, you know, I, I, look, I'm going to be excited too. And Well, like, Jeannie Buss doesn't seem like a Trump supporter, so maybe that's what James Harden was looking for. Yeah, he's looking for, like, the one owner in the NBA that is not an open Trump supporter, or at least, like, a behind-closed-doors Trump supporter. Clearly, I think that's, uh, you know, and look, look L.A., you know, they, they probably have some of the some of the uh, establishments that he likes to hang out at. <laughs> I love that, like, that was, like, the first tweet I saw after James Harden's tweet, uh, trade request was, like, you know, Houston's got some of the very best. <laughs> <laughs> Vernon Maxwell, just, like, Vernon Maxwell knows, you know, how to get James Harden's attention and get him back to Houston. He's like, look, nowhere else has the gentlemen's clubs that are going to retire your jersey, buddy. Like, I mean, the Hawks have a lot of salary cap room, so I guess that's the other option. Yeah, true. Like, the, the, the Hawks, like, trade... I don't even know what they'd offer, but you know, they have young guys, they can make it work. Um, but anyway, this has gone totally off the rails now. Um, you know, I am Harrison Fagan, Sabrina. Thank you for joining me. You can subscribe to the silver screen roll podcast anywhere you get podcasts. You probably already are. If you're listening to this now, I don't fully understand why we do this, but I've been told we have to. Um, and I just, I guess we will talk to all of you after the free agency fireworks have gone off. If, you know, if something insane happens, one of us may jump on and record an emergency podcast. But like, look, I could pre-record an Anthony Davis podcast right now if you really all want that. But like, I don't think anybody necessarily needs that. I think we all expect he's coming back. But, you know, uh, now, like, if that wasn't enough to fully jinx it, I guess, uh, like, with that said, I will jump back on here if he leaves. I, I promise you that because it will be my fault. Um, but anyway, Get ready for the fireworks, Sabrina. Thank you again for joining me, and uh, we will talk to you all later. <laughs>